This is Emmett Shelton in Westlake Hills, Texas on May the 17th, 1990. During the last week or so, I have been present at the symposium held at the LBJ Library, celebrating the 25th anniversary of LBJ's inauguration. Several of the speakers on the agenda, including Bill Moyer, made some mention of LBJ's campaign against Coke Stevenson when LBJ was first elected United States Senator. I will not let my memory compete with historical data on the dates that are involved. None of these speakers at the symposium seem to have knowledge about the facts that I am about to relate. At this juncture, I should impart the fact that in 1978, I gave Robert Carroll, a so-called biographer of LBJ, a three-hour interview which was taped, and these facts were included in that discourse. Copies of my interview, the tapes of that, are, have been filed with the Barker Library and also with the Austin Heritage Center. Because of the fact that my memory is not infallible, what I say here might differ in some little details with what I told Mr. Corot at that time. However, I might also say that copies of tapes that I made maybe 15 to 20 years before ago uh, on my tapes on called Politics 3 and 4 does make mention of these same essences that I'm relating here. The libraries have copies of those tapes also in my collection. As far as I know, Mr. Crow has not, has not seen fit to recite the facts I gave him about this incident in his uh, vo uh, volumes on the path to power. The true and important facts about what happened during the Koch-Stevenson LBJ senatorial race and the election have never been published so far as I know. And I do not believe that anyone is living now who know the true facts of which I am going to relate. That does put me in the comfortable position of not having any living human being that can deny what I say. Those who were involved intimately with the results of this election had no reason to publicize it. As I remember it, all of the controversy about the election results revolved around what happened in one box in Alice, Texas involving less than 100 votes. Apparently, however, if the votes that were uh, being contested in that box had been disallowed, it would have been enough to change the state results in the old senatorial race and Coke Stevenson would have been elected. Back in the 1940s and 50s, there was an area of Texas known as the Duchy of Parr. It consisted of the counties called Duval County, where San Diego was the county seat and George Parr was the master. This duchy also included the machines, the political machines in Starr County, which was run by the Garrow boys. The uh, uh, Judge, Judge Bravo represented uh, the machine in Zapata County. Mr. M.J. Raymond, uh, R-A-Y-M-O-N-D, was the uh, King B in uh, Laredo in Webb County. And then there were a number of uh, other uh, members of this political machine in, in Edinburgh and on down in Brownsville that would cast block votes. Enough, in fact, to uh, take care of the, the, what happened in the whole state uh, in a close race. The contested box in Alice was not in Duval County. It is just across the county line. However, uh, Mr. Parr had enough influence in, the air, in that area to where he was being accused of stealing this box and giving it to Lyndon Johnson to beat Coke Stevenson. In order for anyone at this late date to try to understand what the significance was of this contested election, I will have to go back several years and give you a sort of a foundation of, uh, of what happened 
uh, several years before that that does reflect on what happened in this election contest. My brother Polk and I have known Lyndon Johnson and his family all of his life. In February of 1937, I think it was, Mr. James Buchanan, who was congressman from the 10th, Judi uh, 10th di uh, Congressional District in Texas, died. And he was, uh, had been in office for many years. And Lyndon Johnson at that time was working for the NYA in Texas. And that caused a special election to be held to fill Mr. Buchanan's place in the senatorial district here, or the congressional district here, which included Blanco County, Travis County, and on down to Brenham and Washington County where uh, Mr. Buchanan had lived. Lyndon Johnson became a candidate for office for the first time in that race, and my brother Polk was the most serious candidate against him. A history records that Lyndon won. However, this election did start a political friendship between the Sheltons and the Johnsons that lasted for the rest of time, and still exists. At this particular time, that is 1937, Everett Looney was associated <coughs> with my brother Polk and I as lawyers on the sixth floor of the Norwood building in Austin, Texas. We were not partners, but we did have a door between the two offices that we could walk in and out without going out into the hall. We did share some business together, but were not partners, as I said. One day, either in 1939 or 1940, Lyndon Johnson was in Austin, and when he came to Austin, he visited anyone that he thought could help his political career in the future, and my brother Polk was one of those people. Lyndon came over to our office, and at that time he was uh, staying in the Austin Hotel, Stephen F. Austin Hotel, temporarily, of course, while he was visiting in Austin. And so... He came in and sat Polk and I down and said that there's a fellow named Hopkins that had been appointed in charge of the public works program by uh, Mr. Roosevelt to uh, rehabilitate uh, the dams up and down and build dams up and down the Colorado River and build roads and said he was going to open things up in a big way and that if we uh, had a chance to buy any land in that area, we ought to do so. We could better ourselves. He didn't ask for one penny or didn't ask for anything. He never got any, but he did put us on to something. Lyndon knew at that time that I was buying land out in the Westlake area and had been doing so for about 10 years. However, when Lyndon left, uh, Everett had been uh, listening through the, the door at our conversation with him. He didn't know Lyndon and didn't meet him at that particular occasion. But he heard all that took place in there, and so he came into our office then and said that he had heard what Lyndon had said and that uh, if Polk and I needed a little money to to help buy some of this land that Lennon was talking about or to better ourselves financially uh, by, by getting into the real estate business, that he would help us some. It so happened that Polk and I managed to carve out a pretty good little empire just west of the Tom Miller Dam without Everett's help. At some point later on, Everett had met Lennon in a political way and was uh, his uh, uh, legal advisor in, in some affairs like Ed Clark was. he became a partner, Everett became an Ed, a partner of Ed Clark later on when he, he moved his office over to the Brown Building. But I don't know about the facts in that situation, so I won't go into them. The reason I mention Everett at this particular point was that when they had this election contest that I'm talking about between Lyndon and, and uh, Coke Stevenson, Everett happened to be his uh, legal counsel here in Texas, while Abe Fortis was Lyndon's legal counsel in Washington. And between the two of them, they were trying to handle uh, the election contest in such a way that time would pass by before they could get the bo battle ballot box at Alice open. And so Everett was his uh, legal advisor in Alice on the scene down there when these other events took place uh, almost 10 years later. Then, as fortune would have it, uh, a short uh, two or three years later, uh, the United States Senator from Texas died, and Pappy O'Daniels was then governor of Texas, and a very popular governor. 
Well, he saw a chance. It was it was not uh, it was a special election to be had, and and Pappy would not have to resign his office as governor to run for, for run for United States senator, and also Lenin was congressman still, and it was a special election to him also. He did not have to resign his congressional seat in order to run for United States senator. So Lenin decided that although time was real short since he'd been in Congress, that he was going to be the United States senator. So he came to our office in Austin, knowing that Polk and I. Uh, represented the people down on the, in the lower Rio Grande Valley, and he knew that there's a lot of votes came out of there for some reason in big lumps, and he figured that Polk and I knew why. Now this was Lennon's first statewide race, and although he had taught school in Catula and in the Spanish-speaking territory down there, he was not familiar with the ins and outs of the politics, except he just knew the massive results that took place. Lennon could never have been called naive politically, even when he was born, I don't think. But anyway, before the press got a hold of the death of the United States Senator, Lennon had decided he was going to run. So he came to Austin to build up some fences, and he came into our office, and he told Polk that he was, and I was listening, that he was interested in that, and he knew that we represented George Parr from Duval County and the, uh, the Guerra boys in, in, uh, in uh, Starr County and also Judge Raymond in Laredo, that we had uh, political ties with them and some legal ties and, and personal acquaintances with them. And he wanted to know if if we would uh, uh, try to get them to back him in this state for uh, this race for the United States Senate against Pappy O'Daniels. Well, Polk told him, although we did represent these people, that we would not attempt to speak for them, but we had a better connection than, than that with through Mr. O.O. Norwood, who's the building we were renting, and Mr. Norwood had his office up on the 14th floor of this, uh, or the 13th, or the 14th, I think, uh, at that time, and, and Mr. Norwood was, uh, we represented him, in legal matters, and he was a close personal friend. And so Polk said Mr. Norwood had been the, explained to Lennon this, that Mr. Norwood had been the man who sold all the bonds and the warrants and, and handled all the fiscal affairs for the machines down at the Duchy of Parr, and that he did have a lot of influence with George Parr. And so we got Mr. Norwood to come down to the office and, and, uh, and talk with Lennon, and Mr. Norwood saw no reason why he shouldn't be for Lennon and, and help him. He wasn't for Pappy O'Daniels. Very few people were in those days, except the voters. And so uh, uh, we got uh, George Parr on the phone. Now, this is one that I'm not entirely sure whether we called from our office to George Parr or whether we went back over to Lyndon's office at the Austin Hotel and called Mr. Parr. Because I have a faint recollection that I did have coffee in the coffee shop a day or so later, and the long-distance telephone operator from the Austin Hotel told me what the conversation was with George Parr. And I don't know how I could have got, she could have gotten that information unless it was through her switchboard. But however it was, here's what happened. We called uh, George Parr, and Mr. Norwood told George what was happening, that uh, the man, had, uh, Senator, died, and there's going to be a special election, and Pappy O'Daniels would probably run for it, and that Lennon Johnson, our new congressman up here, whom George had never heard of, uh, wanted to run against him. Well... Uh, George Parr told Mr. Norwood, and we were right there listening. Of course, we didn't hear George's voice, but we, we could tell by the conversation what was going on. So George Parr told Mr. Norwood that Pappy O'Daniels was not a politician and that since he had been elected, those who were politicians never got in the front door. And it was if that situation arose, as he was just then determining that it had arose, that we could get rid of Pappy O'Daniels by sending him upstairs and kicking him to the United States Senate, we'd be a lot better off. The politicians in Texas would be a lot better off. And that on first blush, 
George would be inclined to want to help Pappy, and Coke Stevenson, who was lieutenant governor at that time, would be elevated to the governor's office, and they did have some connections with Coke Stevenson. It would let him get in the front door at least. Well, that conversation went on, and so uh, Mr. Norwood impugned upon George to, to lay aside his own personal efforts for politics and his own aggrandizement, as he was then beginning to, to have some thoughts of. And, uh, and so George said, well, he would, he would uh, see that, that John Lennon got half of the vote, but he wasn't going to give all of them to Lennon. He was going to give some of them to Coke, the way he put it, because he wanted Coke to be governor. Then, of course, Lennon, who was never one to take a half a loaf if he'd get a hold of whole one, he asked Mr. Norwood to ask George if he would at least uh, uh, make a report that South Texas was going for Lyndon on, on election day, the morning of election day, so that he might get some bandwagon votes. He said that Lyndon told us that the Houston Post and the San, uh, San, uh, San Antonio Express and the Dallas News were all already committed to him through his connection with Mr. Roosevelt. And so, uh, uh, you know, of course, the law in those days was that you couldn't make any uh, pronouncement as to how the vote was going until after 7 o'clock when the polls closed. But all of them violated that. They, the news and media always made a report as to who was ahead at, at noon and, and all times of the day to help their own candidates. And so uh, th that we had been doing that, and they had been doing it in the Valley. So George said, all right, said, so I understand from the conversation, George said that that would be all right, that that he would, he would report then, send out a news re uh, uh, report at noon uh, on the election day that Lyndon was carrying South Texas so that the, the big dailies could put it in the evening paper that Lyndon was carrying that and maybe get a few bandwagon votes. But he said, George said, that when the evening was over that uh, Coke Stevens would have his half uh, in the ballot box. Of course, history records that Pappy O'Daniels beat Lyndon, but Lyndon didn't lose his job in Congress because this was a special election. <laughs> However, for the purposes of this conversation I'm having now, or discourse, uh, that did elevate Coke Stevenson into the governor's office since he was uh, lieutenant governor at the time. And of course, that was exactly what George Parr and M.J. Raymond and the other politicians along the border wanted. They wanted a politician, a man whom they could talk to, in the governor's office. Coke, having come up through the ranks, having been a member of the legislature from Junction, and then Speaker of the House, and then lieutenant governor, and now governor, was well acquainted with what it, uh, what the politicians wanted, and he went along with them as best he could. Although I have to say here that Coke Stevens was, Stevenson was one of the most honest governors that I ever knew, and I knew many of them well. And that is the background about where this story begins, that, uh, about what happened in that election, and the influences behind it that has never been told before, that is, in public. As often happens when someone gets involved in politics and stays in it as long as Coke Stevenson did and with such success, uh, his kinfolks' names start to appearing on the state payrolls in some places, in spite of the nepotism laws. Somewhere along the line, Coke's younger brother became a, a, a rather important uh, employee in the land uh, office. And then, about the time of this, uh, along in there in the 40s somewhere, I would say it was, uh, Coke's Stevenson Jr. Uh, was a young lawyer, and when he got out of his or started to practice in law, he lit in Austin, and he got a job somewhere in one of the state agencies here. I don't know what his daddy was at that time, but I was doing a lot of practice in the liquor control board at that time, and there was a young man named Truman Phelps. He was a young lawyer from Laredo, and he, his home was in Laredo. And he had gotten a job as attorney for the Liquor Control Board, and because of some of the business that I had there, uh, I met Truman, and we became very close friends. 
and uh, Coke Stevenson was about his age, a junior, Coke Stevenson Jr., and Coke become his friend. We were both young, they were younger than I was, both of them were, and I also met little Coke when he had an accident in an automobile with a, 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 against one of my clients. My client was wrong, but we settled the case, so I met Coke that way, and I knew his daddy because I liked him. I was on the same side of politics, and I thought he was a great man, and still do. But anyway, at about that time, when this situation was there, Coke had his friend named Truman Phelps, who was in business in Austin, and uh, a man named Valls, who was district attorney in Laredo, in Webb County at that time, either resigned or died, but anyway, his, his uh, office become vacant, and the governor was to make the appointment to fill his place. Well, of course, Judge M.J. Raymond, who had been in charge of politics down there for years, and, and he, he, run, he run that community. He actually had more uh, influence in the Duchy of Parr than George Parr did because he was a better man, a smarter man, and he was generous with, his, with the people. George was a little selfish and, and tried to kick too much of his own for his share, but Judge Raymond was just a fine man, and everybody loved him. Well, Judge Raymond, uh, being in politics like he had, he figured that since he was running Webb County and had carried Webb County for Coke Stevenson, for lieutenant governor at least, that at least Coke would show him the courtesy to call him and ask him who he ought to put in as district attorney to take the place of Mr. Valls. Now, it so happened that any of the gateways on the border uh, were rather nefarious in many of their dealings. The sheriff uh, had charge of the bridge, and uh, as a lot of things take place on an international bridge that perhaps are not illegal. And then the... Uh, the uh, district attorney, if anybody does something wrong, he's got to be uh, see that they're indicted. And if he doesn't indict the, the certain people, it, it helps the machine, so to speak. And so the, also the county judge and the district judge, but it's all a machine and it all works together and has to be well-oiled. Well, Mr. Voles was in on that machine, and when he died, that left a missing, a miss, missing connection. And so, of course, Judge Raymond, and I might say this, that Judge Raymond was the, was the father-in-law of Mr. Kazin who later became uh, the congressman from down there. But uh, when uh, this vacancy appeared, uh, uh, Judge Raymond didn't think of calling uh, Governor uh, Stevenson and telling him who he wanted in there. He wanted his son-in-law, Kazin, to be made the district attorney. But Mr. Uh, uh, Judge Raymond learned through the newspapers that a boy named Truman Phelps, who was a former resident of, of down there and a friend of Little Cokes, had been appointed the new district attorney of Webb County without even be having Mr. Mr. Raymond consulted. Well, as most politicians, Judge Raymond just lit on fire. And he either sent word to the governor, Coach Stevenson, or he told him in person, said, you can put this man in office, but you can't keep him there. And I don't know what history shows on how long Truman stayed in office down there, but it wasn't very long, at least not until after the, until the next election. However, Judge Raymond then swore to himself that he would see that Coke Stevenson paid for this little uh, misdeed, so he considered it. It was a, mis a misjudgment so far as Coke was concerned, and a bad one. Then I remember during that course of time, I had reason to be with Judge Raymond once in a while in some business matters down there, and Judge Raymond was telling me about uh, this thing, and he said that at that time he vowed that he was going to get his knife out for Coke Stevenson, and he was going to do him some harm politically. And Judge Raymond did not have to wait very long. I don't know, of course, how long it took him to get rid of Truman Phelps, but I do know that uh, when Lyndon and Coke Stevenson run for United States Senator, just as a matter of course, Judge Raymond sent word to 
uh, all over the Duchy of Port to the Garibois and to Judge uh, uh, Bravo at Zapata County and up and down the valley there, that he was against Coke Stevenson and he would like for them to uh, give Lennon uh, or, or vote against him is what it amounted to. He didn't really know Lennon too well and didn't care much about Lennon. But he was determined that he was going to beat Coke Stevenson and get even with him. Now that was the temper of the political climate in the valley when this a race took place between Coke Stevenson and Lyndon Johnson. And I might make this observation at this point, that when you're looking for some illegal votes, you would never find a more fertile field than you could find along the Rio Grande Valley in that machine at that particular period of history. And needless to say, that the hundred or so votes in the Alice box was only a drop in the buckets as to what really happened in that, in that uh, election down there. And so, uh, but Coke was in this position at that time. He knew that he had received the bounty on the elections that he had, statewide elections. He had received that bounty from all that vote down there, and he never made any, any uh, uh, observations about it being wrong or anything like that. And I don't believe he wanted to open that can of worms in this election contest. And so it was narrowed down to this one box in Alice. And that was when Lyndon prevailed upon his friend Abe Fortas to do everything he could in Washington to try to block this election contest. And they had 20 days, I believe the law was then, that after the election you had 20 days to contest it and because uh, you had to get on with the, the state's business. And so uh, Lyndon, Lyndon got Abe Fortas to to work in Washington to, to do everything he could to uh, delay the matter. And then he got Everett Looney to come down to Alice to be on the grounds down there to see that uh, uh, there was enough roadblocks put in the way of an election contest to where it couldn't get under the time limit. And then the boys in Laredo, Judge Raymond, they invited my brother Polk to come down and visit with them and be their representative in this on the sidelines because they figured they had more at stake than Lyndon had at stake or that Coke had at stake. They, the way they put it was that they didn't want their playhouse torn down. The bottom line was, these people down there didn't vote for Lyndon. They voted against Coke Stevenson. And actually, there wasn't a whole lot of them that voted. The, uh, the way it was handled, you know, the, the ballot boxes are locked and nobody gets in there to see who put ballots in or anything. And all they have, the state uh, uh, election bureau has the summary sheets that sent to Austin and all it has on there is the total that each candidate got. And I should, I'd surmise this, I don't know this for sure, but anyone can look at those results if they'll take the time to go to the election bureau and see how many Hispanics voted in that election and see if they could all talk English. It would be an interesting uh, uh, comparison to see what happened in that race. And, and if there were some local races at that time, it was not a special race, you would probably find that a lot more people voted in the senatorial race and in a more solid block than they did on contested local races. That's just a suggestion that I would make to someone who is historically minded. But anyway, let's get back to what actually happened. So Pope went down to, to uh, Laredo and he got a hotel room which was paid for by Judge Raymond and each night well, Judge Bravo from uh, Zapata County would come over and I think as I remember there was a, in round numbers somewhere around a thousand votes that Zapata County had given Lyndon in that race and I don't know whether more than 500 people showed up at the boxes 
at the polls. However, Judge Zapata was, I mean, Judge Bravo was a little disturbed about the matter, and, and uh, so I understand that some of the conversations he'd have at the hotel room at night when they were getting the information as to how they'd going to beat this election contest, and Polk would talk to Everett, and Everett would talk to Abe Fortis, and then they'd call back and tell Polk what, was, what the situation was, and Polk, uh, or somebody at least, told me that, that Judge Bravo would he would be have the limber tail. He'd come over to uh, to Laredo or, or come up to the hotel in the evening, and, and he would say that, that George Parr was a bigger man than he was, and, and George went to the penitentiary. And he was a little worried about whether he'd going to go to the penitentiary for what he did or didn't do in that election. And then he'd have a few drinks of tequila, and, and he'd get brave, and he'd promise the, 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 the other people there in the room that he would not say anything if the uh, agents come over and tried to talk him into saying something. But um, it was a rather a touch-and-go situation, and of course we know what happened, how it came out. Time uh, was in favor of, of Lyndon's cause. I do not believe that Lyndon had any idea of what was happening before the election. He didn't participate in it, and I thought if he knew at the time of his death what had actually happened, I have no reason to believe that anybody told him, and of course those that participated in it were not bragging about it. I might say this, that during that election also, there was a box in Fort Worth that was strong for Coke Stevenson. And the election judge, uh, uh, it was stolen, just like everybody else, without Coke's not knowledge of it. But the old boy wanted to do Coke a favor, and he was able to do it by uh, just uh, tampering with the summary sheets. And so uh, then he left and went to Mexico about a week after the election so that they couldn't call him in and in interrogate him on the matter. And so uh, it was a tit for tat. But uh, it so happened that the, the cohorts of Lyndon Johnson had a whole lot more fertile field to get votes of that nature than did Coke in Fort Worth in the one box he was working on, or I might say that was working for him. I have made other tapes in, uh, about my experiences with both Coke Stevenson uh, while he was uh, in Austin here in my tapes on law and conventions, and, and uh, then I've made some, uh, uh, some tapes about uh, M.J. Raymond and the lawsuit that he helped me try in Laredo uh, way back yonder and and some things that I did for his his family as a personal favors that shows that that we had a good comedy between both of us I think Coke was my friend and I think MJ Raymond was my friend I hope this has been entertaining whether it has been enlightening or not because the facts are I think as I have stated them here they are as I remember them and there I think they're just about as I recited them 15 years ago when my memory may have been a little better but it was no more sharp as a point of philosophy, I think fate is a little kind to us by letting us remember the things we like to remember and forget the things we do not like to remember.